What's up? It's your boy Enigma. And have you ever watched a movie you loved from your childhood recently and thought, what the f*** was I thinking? Past and Present is a podcast revisiting those awkward times, asking, does your favorite movie stand the test of time? Or is it utter trash now? The latest episode starts now. It's your boy Enigma back with another past and present episode. And today we're going to talk about Showdown in Little Tokyo. Um, first of all, let me just say I apologize. I know I sound a little congested. I haven't been feeling well lately, but I did want to get these next two episodes in because they're very similar. They come from a similar time and this one in Rising Sun, which will be released on Thursday. And I wanted to talk about both of these together because of those similarities. Now, Showdown in Little Tokyo was released in 1991, starring Dolph Lundgren as Sergeant Chris Kenner and Brandon Lee as Johnny Murata. All right. This is an error, basically, that had the action movies that really just were popcorn movies. You call it what it is. They're just pure action type movies. This is a buddy cop movie. And... You know, that's basically what it is. Those types of movies weren't really built around storyline. They were built on what big explosions they can make and things like that. Pretty ladies, sex, action. I mean, that's really all we wanted back in the early 90s, the late 80s and everything like that. So this is one of those types of movies. It takes place in Little Tokyo in Los Angeles, which seemed to be a hot topic back then. But anyways, we're just going to jump right in and talk about what I thought about this movie in the past. Okay, so just a quick synopsis. This is just two L.A. cops with opposing views on what's the best way to uphold the law have to work together to bring down the Yakuza while trying to protect a beautiful woman. That literally is what the synopsis reads. (laughs) I don't know if they had to put that uh, protect a beautiful woman in there, but it is what it is. But I remember back in the days, this wasn't a movie that I saw in the theater or anything like that. This had to be an HBO type movie or a videotape. I, I can't really remember, but I know that I didn't go to the theater to watch it. I wouldn't have paid to see this, <laughs> but this was ultimate Dolph time. Um, and the reason I say that is he had done Rocky in 1985, which I think was his first film. If I'm not mistaken, he may have been in some things before then, but he definitely was recognized in Rocky in 1985. He then had uh, Masters of the Universe in 1987 and The Punisher in 1989. Now, outside of those three, The Punisher may have been the weaker one. I only saw it once. I may want to watch it again just to see how good that movie was. But I know the first two, Rocky and Masters of the Universe, I was a big fan. So I can't complain about Dolph then. Um, I honestly thought that he was going to be the next Arnold or Sylvester Stallone. I mean, those guys showed that you didn't have to have a grasp of the English language in order to be a mega superstar in the action genre. Um, But it didn't work out for him. I don't know. You know, I didn't do some research or anything like that to find out what actually happened. I don't know if he got on drugs, you know, because that's normally what happens with 
potential like that. But nevertheless, you know, this was Dolph's peak time, I guess you would say. And I love the action in this film. I remember when I was young, this is just one of those movies that I could just sit back and chill because, like I said, the story didn't matter. All it was about was the action scenes, the shootouts, the um, martial arts and things like that. And, of course, the sex. It was in 1991. So, yes, I was still going through the puberty uh, thing back then and so any type of sex shown on tv hey i was all for it so this movie basically had it all it had the action the sex bullets flying um and a weak storyline so that was a typical action movie back in the day so you didn't care about the story all you had to do was just sit down and watch um what was going on and just dumb <laughs> you know just get you some popcorn just dumb yourself down and have fun um, you know, just kind of breaking it down. I wanted martial arts. I got it. I wanted shootouts. I got it. I wanted sex. I got it. I wanted explosions. I got it. And to even add this in there, I wanted a sword fight. I got it. It's literally a late eighties, early nineties genre that sometimes get lost. I mean, these types of movies were plentiful, but it's a genre that's overlooked now, especially because we do more realistic things nowadays, supposedly anyway. I'm not, I'm looking at Fast and the Furious when I say that, but action movies didn't have to make sense. They were just fun and ridiculous and it worked. And that's what this movie did to me as a youngster. Now, my favorite scene when I was younger is the action sequence where Sergeant Kenner rescues Monaco and it's just full of everything that you need for a popcorn flick like this. I mean, he had a lot of things going on in that scene. He's shooting people. He's walking through glass. He's lifting cars. It was just one of those things. And the car explodes, of course. It was just one of those things that was just perfect, perfect, perfect for a young watcher of action movies back then. You couldn't ask for a better film. So... That's the gist of it was when I was young. That's really all I can remember. But I want to go ahead and jump into the future and tell you what I saw just watching this movie recently. Present. All right. So the first thing that I noticed is it's a Japanese theme movie without a Japanese lead character. Um, I know that uh, Brandon Lee is partial Chinese, but that was a lot of themes back in the day. So you always talk about like the wall. Um, with a white lead, uh, the Mexican with a white lead. These types of movies just came out like this. And of course, this was it here, you know, the showdown in Little Tokyo. And yes, they had a lot of Asian characters in it, but the lead was Dolph Lundgren, a white male. So that's the first thing you point out when you see movies like this that were made in the 80s and 90s. No matter where it was in the world, there will be a white lead. So it was funny. Uh, the dialogue is definitely corny. I noticed that <laughs> that's this is definitely age the film. The they just I don't know they just didn't know how to write dialogue back then. But keep in mind, like I said, it wasn't about the story. So I guess that they really just didn't put a lot of effort into writing a decent dialogue throughout this movie. And they also had the corny good guy bad guy theme. So anytime you have a movie that has to put a theme, kind of. Whenever you see the bad guys, you always have this theme that it was playing. And anytime the good guy was doing a little action part of the movie, you had the good guy theme. So, And it was corny too, so just FYI. Um, the fighting was amateur. Brandon Lee, he did the best he could, but Dolph was just slow and uncoordinated. 
I don't know why they just didn't make Dolph a brawler. Now, his background was he was raised in Japan, which is why they, you know, he had a lot of the culture and everything with it. But, you know, he just didn't have the skill set to be a great martial artist. They tried the best they could, but it was slow, uncoordinated, and really, it looks bad now. Back then, you didn't notice it, but now you do. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of explosions in this movie. I know Michael Bay probably wet his pants watching this. It's probably what motivated him because it's a bit overdone. There's a lot of explosions that just happen out of nowhere. Matter of fact, the main bad guy, um, Yoshida, the way he died, he got stuck on this little fire cracker machine or whatever they call it. I don't know. It was at some sort of celebration and he got a sword stuck into him. The thing started spinning and it, it exploded. I don't think it's supposed to explode, period. But for some reason, when he was on there, it exploded. So that was just one of many, many, many overused explosions in this film. Uh, speaking of Yoshida, <laughs> the Yakuza could have killed the main characters, uh, Brandon Lee and Dolph, anytime they wanted, and they didn't. I mean, it, it was just like, this is like those James Bond films, and there was a part in the movie where I guess they caught him and they were torturing him, and Yoshida says, let's watch this in private, and they all leave, all the bad guys leave except for the guy who's doing the torturing. And that didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, okay, I, if Yoshida wants to do whatever this sick fetish is or watching people die on a monitor, fine. But why did you have to take every bad guy out and leave the torture? So basically that gives them a chance to break out, obviously. But it was just stupid decisions like that. And even in that torture scene, just bringing that up, why are we even torturing them? We don't even know... What was the point of them torturing them? I mean, what information are they trying to extract from these guys? It just didn't make any sense. They should have just shot them right there. And they're cops and all that, but apparently they didn't care. They could have just killed those dudes right there and lived on with their lives, but they didn't do that. And speaking of Yoshida, why does he like filming, killing people? I mean, does he not know how evidence works? He's killed people and he films it and it's a fetish of his. But at the same time, all you need is one bust and they have you for life sentences of killing. He killed the one girl who betrayed him, took a sword to her, and then he was torturing and killing uh, the two cops that he was a part of. I mean, he just left too much evidence. That just didn't make sense to me. Then, after they escaped being tortured... He puts them in a James Bond-like trap. He leaves, they come and get in their car, and he goes through this little conveyor belt thing that's going to crush the car. I'm like, bruh, just shoot these people. I'm like, why are you leaving them alive to be able to do this type of stuff? This was just dumb for the Yakuza. <laughs> it didn't make sense. Again, storyline didn't have to make sense, but damn, bruh. Come on now. These guys are trying to bring down your whole operation. You would think you would just get over with and kill them. Maybe he felt that they couldn't be killed because there's a lot of things in here that Dolph does that he shouldn't have been able to do. So let's talk about during the Minoku. I hope I'm saying her name right, but the Minoku, Minaku, whatever. Doing the girl's rescue mission. Lundgren shouldn't have been able to lift the car. He lifts a car on its side. I mean, I know he's supposed to be built and all that, but come on. He walks through glass, not crashes through it, not punches through it, not shoots it out or anything like that. He literally just steps back into the glass 
and it explodes. <laughs> so not explodes, but it shatters. I'm like, come on. And then at the end battle, he survives a bullet wound that he claims that went straight through when you actually watched the movie. It didn't. There was no exit wound on his body and it was really close to his heart. So th he should not have survived a lot of that stuff. He shouldn't have been able to do a lot of things. Um, but it, this was just a movie with a lot of unbelievable things. Um, they had the one guy that they caught, the cops caught, they were bringing in for questioning and he snaps his own neck. Not believable. And it was just one of those things that was just insane with this movie they, they just did a lot of things that when you look at it now it's just like oh come on this was just horrible <laughs> um another question i had is how did they know where longgrim was at his japanese spot that he built so remember they went into hiding because they know the yakuza was looking for him so Dolph brings them over to this japanese hut thing that he basically built by hand and it's like, how did the Yakuza know that they were there? I mean, you know, I thought this was a spot that was kind of off the radar, but apparently not. It seems like everybody else knew about it. <laughs> so just crazy. Um, another thing that was kind of crazy that like within hours ago, Minoku, she was basically raped by Yoshida. And within hours, she's quick to sleep with Dolph. It's like... You know, I don't know much about rape, obviously, but I do know that victims don't like to just jump right into bed with somebody else. It takes time for them to be able to kind of ease themselves in. And I guess within hours, they were able to do that. And I guess it's because, and I quote this from the movie where Brandon Lee says, you have the biggest dick I have ever seen. So I guess that even if you have uh, been a rape victim when you see the biggest dick that you've ever seen you have no problems jumping in the bed with another guy and what was up with that line that was just totally out there i mean they were trying to be humorous it wasn't funny there was a lot of lines here that was said to be humorous brandon lee pretty much he was the comic relief and some of those lines were just terrible i don't know what they were thinking but that was the one that just came out of nowhere when they were about to get attacked and he says you have the biggest dick that I've ever seen. I'm like, what? You know, I, <laughs> if I'm Dolph, I'm like, where did this come from? But whatever, you know, it just came out of nowhere. So just like any other um, 80s movies, even though this came out in 91, there's an 80s montage, of course. Um, they, they just got to stick those in there. And this is one thing that I noticed in this movie that I noticed watching rising sun as well. So this is how I say a lot of these movies are connected. So they were driving down the street and Brandon Lee is trying to get more information out of his partner. And Dolph is kind of like, he doesn't want to talk about it. So Brandon Lee stops the car, gets out of the car, jumps on top the hood to slide over to the passenger side just to challenge his partner or confront his partner. And I promise you that same thing happened in Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery, where Wesley Snipes stops the car getting frustrated, jumps on the hood, goes over to the passenger side. Like, why was that a thing? And I'm sure this ain't the only movies that have done that, uh, neither one of these. But it was just like... You know, could you just walk over? I mean, did you have to jump on top of the hood? It's like this was the director telling them this. I know it was, but I just don't understand how 
this became a thing, you know, and it just so happened that I watched these two movies back to back and that's when I noticed it. And I'm like, whoa, okay, well, you know, outside of the similarities that, of course, they're dealing with Japan culture and neither one of these movies have a Japanese lead. And that comes to show you basically where these movies are. Now, they had a lot of people who were the same, like the villain in this movie was in that movie to the female um I can't think of her name right now. I'll know it by the time I do the next review. But yeah, she had the Asian female roles on lock back in those days. So, you know, it was really they just replaced the leads here with Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting to bring up. Um, one other thing that I noticed in this movie. So at the end, um, Dolph is chasing Yoshida and Manuko. I didn't probably say that girl's name wrong about five times in this thing, but Minoku, he's basically running after both of them. He gets delayed and has to do a fight real quick, but when he catches up, Minoku is tied to a gas um, station, and I'm thinking to myself, where in the hell did Yoshida find rope to tie Minoku up at the end when he's trying to escape? It's just things that you didn't notice when you were younger. You're looking at it now like, was he carrying the rope with him? And then he had time to actually get it decently tight. I mean, you know, uh, Dolph wasn't, he wasn't behind him that far. <laughs> there was should have been no way he could have done that, but it is what it is. So, you know, it's just, this is just the type of movie this was. Uh, my favorite scene now, watching it, I still enjoy the, you know, the action scene where he rescues Manoku at the uh, house. That's still a good scene, but what I like now is definitely the sauna action sequence. And I guess the reason I like it is Dolph basically is fighting this uh, Japanese uh, big guy, um, sumo wrestler type dude, and they're underwater. And he drowns a man underwater by taking a hose pipe that's shooting out water and sticking it in his mouth. So he's he's drowning the guy. He's already he can already drown him, but he wants to put that extra emphasis on there by taking the water hose pipe, sticking it in the dude's mouth, and then shooting even more water into him. I mean, that's just a clever way to kill somebody, in my opinion. It's just you know interesting. I'll say that, but. Anyway, so did this movie stand the test of time? Absolutely not. The dialogue is cheesy. The fighting is slow and uncoordinated. The story is dumb and the villain is too cartoonish. There was nothing to like about this movie. Now, keep in mind, when this movie came out, it really wasn't a good movie then either. A lot of people didn't really like this movie then. But after Brandon Lee died on The Crow movies like this that anything that he starred in started to get a following just because you know he he had potential and it was sad to see him go you, even in this movie he was the one who was doing the martial arts a lot better he actually had some great potential and he was just taken from us too soon so it's kind of sad but you know that's the only bright spot of this movie i guess is we got to see brandon lee you know, he he still needed to work on his comedic role part because he was terrible in that. But his martial arts wasn't bad, you know, especially going up against Dolph Lundgren, which is like a slow moving martial art guy. But I don't know. 
But yes, this movie did not stand the test of time. What are your thoughts? Have you seen this movie? Did you enjoy this movie? Did you think it stood the test of time? Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. And as always, if you want to check out any of my creative work, you can hit me up at www.enigmakid.com. That's www.enigmakid.com. It's your boy Enigma signing off. Deuces.